Hey guys, it's your girls from Keep Your Gin Up. I'm Zana. And I'm Jess. And we have another amazing episode today, bringing some flavor to your Friday. We are going back to just weekly episodes. I know we just had a little few Tuesday episodes for you, but it is very hard getting two podcasts out a week and we're only going to do that with special, special things. So this one's just coming to you on your regular Friday. And we have an amazing guest today, Mason Cullen, and he is kind of like a, I guess, a an Instagram influencer as well and um, has a happens to have a diagnosis of herpes, um, which we have discussed in a previous episode, which we just will cover in a second. But we just wanted to get him on to kind of talk about a male perspective and, and really get his view on what it's like dealing with herpes and being a man and dating and being out there and his journey to kind of his diagnosis and what he, how he uses that in his life. So yeah, that is what we have for you today. And it's amazing. I have some pretty amazing statistics that I like to try and tell people about because once you are diagnosed with herpes, it can be very overwhelming and you don't know what the hell to do. You don't know what to tell people. And I'm just a girl who loves stats, okay? So I can send you this form as well. Like just reach out to me. People have been over the last, you know, couple of months since we've been doing this podcast and I can always send it over to you. So it says here, so HSV2 to males, so me giving it to a male, is 4% chance with no protection, but that is being asymptomatic. So this is no symptom statistics here. There's a 2% chance of condoms or medication. And the medication that we're talking about is antiviral medication. And there's a 1% chance with condoms and medication. So I like to tell guys when I'm talking to them about herpes and the risks and the statistics, because this is real statistics and they can then make their informed decision. Um, It says here, for comparison's sake, there's a 2 to 15% chance of unintended pregnancy with condoms. So like when you already think about that, you know, we all know that you can get pregnant with condom use. Everyone knows that. But if you look at the statistics with actually contracting herpes with someone that's positive, it's really quite low. There is a higher chance from a guy giving it to a female, um, and that's just due to anatomy. Um, It's 10% with no protection, 5% with condoms or medication, and 2.5% with condoms and medication. Still low statistics. But if you want me to send this to you, um, just ask and I'll flick it over. But it's also on www.herpesopportunity.com and you'll actually see the PDF file there. We did an episode about this. Um, oh, feels like ages ago now. Like it actually it does, does feel yeah. like ages ago. It's called Hello Herpes, Overcoming a Confronting Diagnosis with Beck Antonucci. And during that episode, I actually was open and honest and told you guys on this platform that I am also positive for HSV2, which was a really scary thing, especially to do on a public platform. But I have kind of over the years, I've just totally accepted it. I've just embraced it. I've been very open about it to people around me. But I thought, you know what, I want to use our podcast to spread positivity, spread good vibes, and just actually get that education out there and break that stigma. So we... I don't know how we even found Mason. I've got no idea, Mm. but I found this amazing guy on Instagram called Mason Cullen and I had been stalking him and he was so open and honest about his herpes diagnosis on his social media platform. And the way he spoke about it was just, he's just got such a maturity about it as well. Mm. Like he's so wise and so mature about his diagnosis and he's 23 years old. Like, I know it's crazy. <laughs> and I was just so in awe listening to him on social media that I was like, we need him ASAP to do an episode with us. And we were mm-hmm. so lucky that he said yes. And we yeah. smashed his episode. It was, it's over an hour, but you know what? We just couldn't stop talking. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. It's a long one guys. Um, so we're just going to do like a quick intro today, do a quick spill the tea, um, kind of give you an update in our life because our life is basically a spill the tea at the moment. So I got to Thursday Island last week and I am already in isolation um, away from Jess. I am only here for three weeks and I'm now going to be spending a third of my time here, if not more, in isolation. So that's super fun. Um, Someone in my accommodation has ended up being positive and then a couple of days later, another person ended up positive. So we've had to start the seven days again. I'm allowed to work, but I have to test every single day and do a rat test every single day before going to work and have to be negative obviously to go to work and so I can do everything at home Uh, I can do nothing outside of home and I am only allowed to go to work so me and Jess can only socialize at work we can't do this podcast in person which was 
like a major plus of me coming to Thursday Island was that we could do this together, but we can't. <laughs> so we're back We've been to... remote now for so long. It feels yeah. so weird. We did one episode together, which was the New Year's episode, um, mm-hmm. which was a bonus one that we did last week. And that was so fun being in the same room again, actually bouncing off each other. But you I know, know what? We're still going to deliver the flavor to your Friday, baby. Yeah. Every I mean, our Friday. podcast is still great regardless, but um, it was nice to have at least that one time together. And then now we're back to this again. But in a couple of weeks, we will both be back in Brisbane and we actually will be together. So that's I mean, right. let's bloody hope. But you know what? We're going to update you every week about what the hell's yeah, going on. Yo. At the moment, she's stuck in isolation, guys. I'm free as a bird. I get to do everything. COVID ain't going to get me. I know. No, I'm only here for three weeks. Better. I want to explore the island. Like, I'm not allowed to go out for a walk. It is like so. I felt crazy, like such but... a tool going to an island yesterday. I was like, No, I'm so jealous. Habit. No, you got to. Li- I've got to live through you. You can't just not do things because of me. That's so silly. You got to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You're only here once. I'm only here once, I but I spend it indoors. <laughs> yeah, cool thing, cool thing. But anyway, anyway, let's get cracking into the episode, guys. Let's do it. We're gonna get head over to the episode now. We hope you guys enjoy. All right, guys, we've got a really good episode today. As we've already previously mentioned, it is about HSV2 herpes. We have done a previous episode about this with Becca Antonucci, which was amazing, but Mm. I really, really, really wanted a guy's perspective and we were so lucky to come across Mason. Mason, before we jump straight into the herpes talk, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you are, how old you are, what you do? I know you do some photography on the side. Give us that info. Sure thing. Um, yeah, so at the moment, I'm living in Perth. Um, I'm 23 years old. My full-time job at the moment is a full-time personal trainer and nutritionist coach. Um, and then, yeah, on the side, I do some photography, um, mostly travel photography, and then a lot of work in sacred spaces, um, things like meditation ceremonies, cacao ceremonies, um, breathwork journeys, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, so I've been in Perth for about a year and I was born and raised in, um, Geraldton in Western Australia. So small little country town. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay. I had a question because I, I asked Jess this and it sounds like you've got an American accent. Are you not American or Canadian or any background? <laughs> yes. So my, uh, my dad is from a place called Rockford, Illinois, which is like a couple hours away from mm-hmm. Chicago. Um, So he moved over here with my mom, who was from Geraldton, um, just before I was born. So I've never lived there. I've only been there for a couple little holidays, but for some Mm -hmm. reason, um, yeah, I've just picked up an accent from him. Oh, there you go. I was wondering. The accent is strong. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, but then sometimes it's not. Yeah, like I've got three younger sisters and none of them have even the slightest bit of an accent. Um, It's only me. So I still haven't (laughs) been able to figure that one out yet. I'm from Perth too. It's just so crazy because I was like, I actually didn't realize I was from Perth. Oh, really? Yeah, ev- it feels like yeah. everyone's from Perth. Hey, maybe everyone gets HSV from Perth, just FYI. We'll hey, talk about it. kind of sounds later. like that. <laughs> I think there's a link. <laughs> it's probably because no one can leave Perth now. It's going to get worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tell us a little bit about your herpes journey, how you kind of got diagnosed with it, like how it all started for you. Because obviously you're quite young as well and kind of getting to that point where you are so comfortable about talking about it. Like how did you kind of get there? Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess, yeah, like before I say anything on it, I guess I'll just sort of preface the fact that um, like I am a huge, huge believer that um, like herpes is a symptom of other things in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not so much the actual thing itself. And yeah, I I believe it is more so a magnifying glass that sort of forces someone to really look at the issues and the things that they have to work on in their own life. And Mm -hmm. with me prefacing that, the more that I go into detail about everything, you'll probably understand where I kind of got that idea from. Um, But yeah, so I was diagnosed with it about almost a year ago to the day, pretty much probably almost a week away from that. Um, Yeah, basically it was, uh, it was kind of a roller coaster at the start of the year. Um, This was back in like January, February of 2021. Um, I had, I was in in a relationship um, and it was very sort of very early days in the relationship, first couple of weeks. Um, and yeah, so I was basically head over heels at this point already. And so she had slept with someone else in the relationship um, in the very early days of the relationship. And I knew about it. Um, and then through my own kind of like 
personal trauma and that kind of thing ended up staying with her. And then about a week after that, um, we both started getting symptoms. And I, being really good friends with Beck, who you mentioned before, um, mm. who's been, you know, obviously very open about it on her social media and everything, um, I immediately knew what the symptoms were. So I went and got the test. But like when I went and got the test, they basically told me they they were pretty much certain that I had it. So I kind of reverted back to my old patterns and my old ways of kind of like throwing myself on the spikes. And for some reason, I my first thought and my first assumption was that I had it and that I had given it to her. Mm. Um, I don't know how I came up with that assumption. I guess, yeah, it was just an old pattern of mine. So I, I called her up and we went and went out for lunch and I said, look, like I'm getting been getting these symptoms. I went and got the test done. I haven't got the results, but they basically told me that, yeah, I do have it. Um, I don't know where I got it from, blah, 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 but I just want to let you know, like, I'm super sorry, all this kind of stuff. And she immediately was like, yeah, I've started getting symptoms as well. Um, I reckon it was probably from that guy. Mm. And yeah, like that was just, that was a really, really crappy thing to hear. Um, But I think at that point in my life, I was in a place of just being so desperate for, I guess, a relationship and then also validation from the feminine that I stayed in the relationship. And I also think that part of the reason why I did was sort of protecting myself from being single with herpes. I think I was part of it was like, yeah, you know, we both have it. So I'll stay, I'll stay with her, which means I don't have to worry about ever disclosing anyone else or being open about it. Anyone else like we can, it can just be our thing. Mm. Um, yeah. And then fast forward, um, about a month and a half, um, I started getting sick. I got sick. I thought it was a flu. Um, and I was home for, for a couple of days and then, yeah, went to the GP and they said that it was just a virus thing. Like, you know, go home, take some Panadol, you'll be right. Um, I was home for another week after that. And then I remember I woke up one morning and yeah, I went to um, like I went to the bathroom in the morning and my urine was no joke jet black. And wow. I kind of like, what? yeah, was really worried at that point. Turned around and looked in the mirror and my eyeballs were yellow. My skin oh, was God. all yellow. Like, all right, freaked the hell out. Like um, jaundice. Drove to the hospital. Yeah, what's what's happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, um, I ended up driving to the hospital. I barely made it there. Um, and I basically went in. And they kind of, there were a couple of people in front of the line of me and the nurse kind of went and triaged me. And immediately as they saw me, they went, holy shit, took my driver's license and my Medicare card and then took me straight through. Um, and they did all these like these blood tests and everything. And they were asking me all these weird questions. Like, you know, have you been, um, have you been in like homosexual relations in the last like couple of weeks or anything like that? Oh and I was God. like barely conscious. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Um, and then, yeah, so they did a bunch of tests and x-rays and ultrasounds and everything. And it turns out that I had glandular fever. Um, but Oh, God. Yeah, but because they, that for the first couple of GPs didn't really diagnose it, at that point, they were more worried about checking for COVID and crap. Um, yeah, so they misdiagnosed me. And it turns out that it had gone septic. So I had um, swelling on the brain. Um swelling on the liver, almost to liver failure, uh, swelling on my kidneys, swelling on my spleen. Um, yeah. Jaundice, um, oh hepatitis A. like, yeah, it just did a number God. on me. So yeah, I was, I was basically in a coma for about a week. Um, like I don't remember anything from the hospital. Um, I lost about 12 kilos in a week and wow. yeah. So I, so I got out like a week after going in and then a couple of days after that, um, my girlfriend at the time broke up with me after yeah after not talking to me or coming to see me at all in the hospital um which was great so so yeah I think basically the the next month after that was 100% like the lowest point in my entire life I was kind of a sort of dealing with being single with herpes for the first time um dealing with a really shitty breakup on shitty conditions and then also being 12 kilos underweight um and sort of coming back from glandular fever and all that kind of thing um yeah so at that next couple of weeks I was 
I was, yeah, 100% depressed, um, suicidal. Like, I remember, I think it was two weeks after I got out of hospital, I was driving back to Geraldton and I was on a country road and drove my ute in front of a truck and like kind of just pulled back at the last split second. Um, just, yeah, all the, like everything kind of hitting me at once. And I think from the sickness and the glandular fever, I just wasn't in a place of having the energy or the actual physical kind of strength to deal with any of the emotions properly. So it was all just way, way more serious than it really needed to be. Um, oh, you've been through some crap. Yeah. That's like <laughs> yeah, hell back. Really start of the year. That's for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. So sort of, sort of all that happened. Um, and I pretty much withdrew, withdrew from everything, um, withdrew from work, friends, family, everything like that. Um, just basically became a hermit for a couple of weeks and yeah. And then I, I found like, I found the gym, like I already was fairly fit and stuff before going in, but I think I, after all that, I just completely lost all, all motivation to do anything. Um, and so yeah, I reached out to a friend of mine who owned a CrossFit gym, like a small local gym in Perth. Um, and I started going there and then it was sort of like a knock on effect. As soon as I started like moving again, I started to get my appetite back from the glandular fever, which meant that I was eating more, which means I could move more. And yeah, like the first week of being back in the gym, I put on four kilos and wow. then it took, me about a, it took me about a month to get back to like the 70 kilos I was before I was in hospital. So that helped a lot. And I think from then it's been a very, very slow, but very steady kind of transition into sort of where I am now. Um, yeah. And yeah, so after a couple months of that, um, I was watching a lot of Beck's videos and just seeing how open she was about it all. Mm. And um, I was doing a lot of like, a lot of retrospection on sort of, I was asking all the typical questions like, why did I have to get herpes? Like, why did I have to get sick? Why did she have to break up with me? Like all of these like why questions were really, like I'm a big believer in the quote, like, powerful questions call for powerful answers so I was asking all of these really big kind of open-ended questions and it took me a while and a lot of work and to basically figure out the answers to those why questions and yeah it depends on on how deep I go really but um like I said before it's herpes is sort of a symptom of other things that are happening in your life and it's a magnifying glass of it's a magnifying glass that really forces you to look at all the all the problems so at this point now I believe that I got that I got herpes because I was at this point at that time when I truly felt like I wasn't wasn't entirely a man I wasn't a full man unless I had a woman in my life so I was constantly seeking validation from women from the feminine um, in all different aspects in relationship in sex in friendship in everything so I was constantly surrounding myself with women, which as, as a guy who I believe I have a very masculine core, that was very toxic. Um, it became, yeah, it became a very toxic environment to be in. And I think the glandular fever came on because it was just a buildup of toxicity in my life from the people that I was hanging out with, from the um, conversations that I was having, from the emotions that I was feeling and bottling up, all that kind of stuff. It just kind of overflowed. and. I ended up becoming physically sick from it. Um, in terms of actually getting herpes, um, I like in the past before this relationship, like always used protection when I was having sex, always. Um, but for years before that, I always had a problem with, again, going back to seeking validation from the feminine. I always had a problem with actually like when I was having sex, being able to finish when I would have sex. Um, simply because I was so focused on my performance and how well I was doing and what they were thinking of me and all this kind of stuff. Um, and like, there were like, there were times when I just like would not finish at all. And it happened a couple of times where the woman would actually get very offended thinking that, you know, they weren't good enough or they weren't pretty enough or whatever. And it would push them away. And in this relationship, because I felt so strongly for her so soon I completely threw away the whole concept of using protection because in my mind, I was like, okay, I don't want that to happen with this girl. So I'm going to give myself every possible chance for that not to happen. So this was like the first proper relationship that I 
had really not used protection at all. And then even after I knew that she had slept with someone else who I didn't know, um, I still did it just because I was so, I was so wounded around, yeah, seeking that validation. So that sort of caused me to get herpes. If I had used protection, I probably could have got it as well, possibly, but the chances would have been less. So I'm not sure. Mm. I do believe that it happened for a reason and I would have got it regardless. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So. That's heavy, man. That's some heavy stuff. You've had some crazy things going on. Like, yeah, I think for someone um, who's 23, like how you've progressed in your life to like where you are now and how you see like being a man and how you see women like is not what any other 23 year old thinks like you've you've progressed so far beyond your years obviously you've gone through some pretty traumatic shit to get there but like you should be proud of like how you are now and how you think because it's amazing yeah thank you you. i agree with a lot of things that you were saying too like when i got diagnosed it was kind of similar you know how you were saying with the validation of like with having women around you and stuff like we've done an episode about this. I was actually cheated on with a partner of four years. We had a house and everything and I was rebuilding my life and I was starting to get the confidence to go dating. And I was actually really enjoying it. I was going out dating. I was having lots of safe sex, but I was having sex and I was really proud of myself for getting out there and actually having one night stands and going on lots of dates and doing all this stuff. And I actually ended up sleeping with someone that I had known since high school at my high school reunion of all things. And I just let my guard down because I knew them and I trusted Mm. them and I didn't use protection. And that's how I got um, my diagnosis with that particular person. Mm. And that roller coaster Mm. of emotions that is, oh, it's crazy. Hey, like you constantly just like have this roller coaster and you think back and you're like, if I just put on a condom, like either then I wouldn't be here but I don't know if you agree but I I personally think that I'm blessed to have herpes because the path that it led me on like it's been unreal because you start focusing on yourself hey is that what you meant by like how you look at things with a magnifying glass like you just you start looking at things differently and you start actually just focusing on yourself and like what you want in life yeah 100 percent um it's yeah, I spent my entire life up until that point, like basically living for other people, um, mm. doing things to make other people happy. And most people don't know what they need or what they want to make themselves happy, let alone what they need from other people. Um, so obviously that's just a recipe for disaster. And it completely came full circle to the point where I almost died twice in three weeks. Um, yeah. So in terms of magnifying glass, like that's a pretty huge one for me to go like, hold hold the hell up right now like what the hell is going on whatever i'm doing right now clearly is not working um i need to yeah. i need to sort of reach out for help i need to i need to do something because obviously the knowledge that i have and the things that i'm working the base that i'm working from right now isn't stable it isn't solid and i need to i need to do things differently yeah. um and i think it was a it was a huge ego death in the fact that like i've been in the sort of self development realm world since I was like 18 so like four or five years um like listening to audiobooks um like multiple coaches seminars workshops retreats all that kind of stuff so I kind of got to this point in my life and I was like I had this massive spiritual ego where I was like all right cool like I'm I'm set like I'm good um I'm ready to you know call a partner in like all this kind of stuff and I think having that sort of created this like false sense of security in this partnership where I thought that, you know, they have that old saying where if you're truly happy and you're truly set in your life, then the right person will be called in at the right time and all that, all that crap. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So that, that sort of like spiritual ego was another death that I had to go through where I basically had to humble myself and realize like, yeah, I I really don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, I really haven't been through anything up until this point like now is the start of that sort of spiritual journey. Um, And I think having something like herpes, it's very, very easy for you to just immediately start looking at all the bad things about yourself and all the things you don't like about yourself. And then just adding this to this. Yeah. I I have, Mm -hmm. I have all these problems with me and I have all these reasons why no guy will ever want me or no girl will ever want me. And this is just adding to the list. Whereas it's the way that I decided to look at it was basically, yes, everybody has their own faults and 
I may not have absolutely everything better than everyone else, but nobody brings to the table exactly what I bring to the table in the potency and the variation that I do. And I think I decided to use it as not a, not a tool to further like degrade myself, but as a tool to weed out and sift through the people in my life that are of value to me and that find me of value because I sort of, I put myself into the other person's shoes in terms of like, like romantic partners and sexual partners and relationships and that kind of thing where I was like, look, if I was the person who didn't have herpes and I was talking to a person who did have herpes, what would I expect of them? What would I hope of them in terms of like them disclosing to me um, how open they would be to me, all this kind of stuff. And that's basically how I, how I lived in terms of dealing with herpes. And I sort of put myself in their shoes and I went, it would be amazing if I could meet somebody who had something like that, who were just completely open. They just were, were happy to tell anybody. It was just a part of them, like the color of their hair, like it was nothing. Um, and so that was sort of the journey that I decided to embody on. And I'm at this point now where I can meet someone at a bar and like hang out with them. And, you know, they, that's something that I say immediately. I don't feel the need to, but I say it, I think Beck says it perfectly where I say I test positive for herpes. Like I say, pass the soul. It's gotten to this mm. point where it's nothing. And I think it's really powerful to get to a point of being able to do that with herpes it really I, yeah. puts things into perspective. Yeah, all these other insecurities that I had were nothing compared to that. And if I'm able to overcome this, all these other insecurities really mean nothing. It's amazing that you got to that point. And I feel like, yeah, for someone who is so young, it's so hard, it would be hard to get to that point. And I think people around you, I don't know if you experience this, but if your friends are kind of the similar age, they would kind of fall behind because you've progressed so much further than them. Like how was it telling your friends that were the similar age to you that you had herpes? Like, did it, how did they kind of deal with it? Are they still your friends now? How did that kind of all progress? Mm, I, I, my friend group, I really don't have any friends that are my age. Um, mm. I, I used to have a couple when I was in Geraldton. Um, even then they were still mostly older than me. Um, so I was very, very lucky in the fact that the people that I hang around with at the moment are all, they're very, very conscious, very awake kind of people, yeah. um, coaches, breathwork facilitators, like all this kind of stuff. So I'm very lucky in that regard. Um, yeah, awesome. But yeah, so most of my friends are between, I'd say 27 and 40. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a big, big range, but all quite a bit older than me. Um, so yeah, in that regard, I'm very, very glad that I did have that those people around me. Um, but in saying that, the response that I've had from people that are my age or younger um, has actually been really, really good. Um, I made an Instagram video a couple of months after I was first diagnosed, basically coming out saying that I had that I tested positive for herpes. Um, and the response was amazing. Um, it was, I think, my like my most liked post, my most shared post. Yeah. I had so many amazing comments and had so many people reach out and say that you know, they admire me for coming out and all that kind of stuff. So that was, that was a really, really good thing to see. And I, a lot of my following on my social media platforms and stuff are still from people who are in Geraldton and they're mostly my age or younger people that I went to school with and everything. And funny enough, the posts that I make on my social media about herpes and about disclosing all that kind of thing, whether or not they have herpes or not, I'm not sure those are the most liked posts by them, um, which I think is really fascinating because these were all sort of people that I would think would not be receptive to this, you know, that kind of small town mindset, um, tall poppy syndrome, all that kind of mm. thing. Um, I thought that they would be very unreceptive to that. And I thought they would be the first people to, you know, dislike, unfollow, send hate, all that kind of stuff. But I have never received a single comment or a message um, on my social media of anything that's not nice feedback about anything to do with herpes, which has been really, really good to see. Yeah, that's amazing. Because yeah, I think we would just we just presume that people, like I remember in my head, I would just presume that people would be like, "Ew, that's so feral. Like, that's disgusting. Like, I can't believe you got this. Like, I, you just envision all these like horrible negative 
thoughts. Mm -hmm. And like you, I started opening up and telling people. I actually went away on a nursing contract to a town where I knew nobody. Mm -hmm. And I decided to start practice talking about my diagnosis. And the first person I told, she was so like, oh, yeah, cool. You've got herpes. Like, that's cool. I've got this. I've got this issue. And I was like, oh, we just sat there like totally opening up to each other. And she's like, you know, you trusted me with something so raw about yourself. And then she opened up something about herself. And then I started talking to more people. And the more people I was talking to, like say at a party, at a group setting, I would bring it up in a situation talking about dating, whatnot. And I'd say, oh, yeah, dating's fun. I love dating. Oh, I'm in a tricky situation because when I'm dating, like I'm herpes positive so when I'm dating somebody like I've just got to find the right time to like tell them before anything you know it gets hot and heavy and then people are like wow you've got herpes and I'm like yeah and that's how I kind of bring it up they'll come up to me later on the party and go I didn't want to bring this up in front of everyone but I've got it too and I haven't told a single soul in two years and I'm like how have you not told anybody in two years have you found that being open about it has actually drawn people and they've actually confessed to you and said I've got it too but I have never told anybody else Yep. Yeah. 100%. Um, like especially through social media, cause I think sending somebody a message is a lot less, um, confronting than coming up to them in person or anything like that. Um, yeah. so I have gotten quite a few messages of, um, people like, especially back in Jolton and a few in Perth that I know that have messaged me and said like, you know, Hey, I think I've, I think I've got this, like, these are my symptoms. I'm worried. What do I do? Um, so yeah, I, I really do think that being somebody being open and vulnerable really creates that space for other people to step into that. Um, and yeah, like you yeah. said, some people have lived with this thing for years and not told a single soul. Like they're just, I couldn't imagine living for that long in that just sort of state of denial about yourself and just sort of that space of, I don't know, self-hatred and hiding. Shame. Um, yeah. Shame and yeah. guilt. It's and, the shame feeling for sure. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's all the stigma. Like that's what people that don't have herpes, like that the stigma is the worst part. Do you yeah. feel that yeah. Mason? Like it's like the actual symptoms itself. Does that even affect your day-to-day activities? It really doesn't. Um, I think since I've gotten, like since I've, since I've gotten it, like the first breakout was pretty uncomfortable and it lasted for about a week. Um, and the first one always is. Um, but after that I've yes. had probably four, I think, um, and yeah. they've been getting less and less frequent as time goes on. So I, I do think that that's sort of, it's taken me a long time to fully recover from like liver failure and glandular fever and stuff. And because it is a, like an opportunistic virus, it is when I'm like, when I'm most run down that it happens. Um, yeah. Yeah. I do also believe that it is hugely a part of how worried you are about getting breakouts. Um, yes. Like if, if you're constantly in fear of, of having flare-ups and stuff, and you're going to manifest them into your life. And yeah, so the more and more comfortable that I've gotten with it, the less and less frequently it happens. And then even when it does happen, I'm like, oh, fuck, whatever. I don't care. Um, and just go about my day. It's not even that big of a deal. Like a lot of people um, that don't really understand herpes, like that's why I wanted to have this platform for people to understand. Like the first outbreak, yes, is always the worst. And like, I felt like I had um, I had full body aches, like a flu. I felt like I had a flu. I was extremely mm. fatigued. Um, it hurt to pee, like majorly. It was very, very uncomfortable. Um, and that lasted about a week. And I've had the outbreaks I've had ever since, literally, it's like a little paper cut. And yeah. people seem to Google herpes on Google images and see these absolutely yes. feral images. that are so bad. And they and think that you have that all the time. I just get a paper cut. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. They think that your vagina or your penis looks like that every second of every day. That's what people think. Yeah. And they think like, this is never going to go away, but it's so, it's so untrue. And that's why like, it is just a virus at the end of the day and it will flare up like any virus does, but people need to understand like, it's yeah. just not going to be like genital warts. You're not going to be walking around with like 50 genital warts every second of the day. Like that's not how it goes. <laughs> yeah. But some yeah. people are just so oblivious. They don't understand. And because there's no education. Why it's so good for people to be open about yes. it and actually say the, the symptoms itself are fine. Like I don't mm-hmm. even notice it. Like sometimes I go to the toilet and I'm like, oh, that stings a little bit. Oh, I must have a little tiny herpy there. And then I don't even know yeah. if it's a herpy because I'm just like, I'm not even sure because I feel fine. And I just kind of take some antivirals and then carry on my day. 
but um, I love that. I love how you call it like it. a little herpy as well. Yeah. I love how you're like, you just call it a little herpy. You're like, oh, I just went to the toilet this morning. It's like, I felt a little herpy down there. Like, it's so cute, the little name. It just like normalizes it as well. I love it. Yes, because I live with Zana as well. So I'm very yeah. open with her about it. <laughs> um, and very open with my dating life. So when I meet someone, like what you were saying at a bar, um, I'm not as confident, like like past assault kind of style. Um, yeah. I, I usually kind of wait to see if there's kind of like a sexual tension between us. And if I feel like something I know is going to happen, um, I'll bring it up and before we even leave the club or before we leave the bar and just say, you know, I'm really attracted to you. I 100% want to rip your clothes off. Um, we're both adults here, but at the end of the day, I'm really strict with protection because I'm actually HSV2 positive. Um, I'm asymptomatic at the moment, but there's always a risk. So I just wanted to be upfront and honest and it's totally your decision. And then they're usually like, all they hear in that entire sentence usually is that I want to rip their clothes off. It's like everything <laughs> else. They just disregard. They're just like, yep, no, nah, that's cool. I just have to wear a rubber. Yep, no worries. And I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> this is happening. Exactly. Yep, exactly. It's, it's hilarious. It's it's really good to be open. So like with your dating life, Mason, like how's it been? So you've been really open in bars and stuff. Like what's your view on like one night stands? I find, I don't know if you're any in any of the herpes communities on Facebook and social media and all that stuff. I find that some of them, people will ask this because they're newly diagnosed. They'll say, you know, I'm having a one night stand. Do I have to tell them? Like, do I, you know, legally you don't have to tell them, but they'll just ask opinions and people will absolutely troll them and be like, mm. you can't not say anything you, you know, you're a terrible person. Like, and I understand both views of like always being upfront and honest and telling someone, and then maybe just wearing protection and making sure you're asymptomatic and then just having a good time. And then that's your one night stand done. What's your view on one night stands? Mm. Um, yeah. So I think I, the way that I like to, I guess the view that I like to look from in terms of like sexual partners and romantic partners and one night stands and all that kind of thing is I just do, I do the thing that I would like the other person to do for me. Um, so for me personally, like if I was at a bar and I was HSV negative, but a woman who was HSV positive came up, started hitting on me and stuff, I would not expect them to tell me immediately, but I would expect them to tell me at least before we like decided to um, sleep together. So that's just sort of the framework that I go from. Um, yeah, simply because I've sort of gotten past that, that shame and that fear of like possibly giving it to somebody else. The only thing that I worry about is, well, not worry about, the only thing that I just won't do is give it to someone else without giving them the choice. Um, first that's the only thing so um, in terms of like a one night stand and that kind of thing like I'll always use protection even if they were sort of saying like you know no like you don't need to blah 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 for a one night stand for me personally it's just not worth the risk um, because there's it's not so much guilt but I would go through a stage where I felt bad for giving it to them um, especially if they were you know the one that told me that I didn't need to use protection and all that kind of stuff. And that has happened mm. a couple of times um, where I've had to kind of put that boundary up and go like, Hey, look, you know, um, in the moment, it might seem like a good idea, but you know, it's, it's probably not in terms of a, like a relationship and a long-term relationship though, I would expect my partner at some stage to be okay with not like, with not using protection while they're with me. Um, however, you know, long that took them and, their kind of thing, that's fine. But my expectation and my needs in a relationship are that at some point we don't like sleep together with protection. So I think being able to sort of identify your values and identify your boundaries and sort of what you need in a relationship, because herpes doesn't mean that you don't get what you need out of a relationship, or it doesn't mean that you don't get to experience what like the things that you want in a sexual relationship or one night stand or anything like that um and yeah being able to find those boundaries and being able to find those those things that you need from a partner and being able to live up to them and hold yourself to them allows you to hold yourself sorry allows you to hold them to that as well um and then that sort of comes back to the um what is it to the whole thing of like 
Herpes is a tool that you can use to sort of sift through people. Um, mm. And I did go through a stage where um, I didn't really have any one night stands. I didn't really sleep with anybody um, simply because, yeah, I was sort of going through that, through that journey of feeling shame and guilt and stuff around having herpes. And that's totally okay. Like you don't have to get herpes one day and then wake up the next day and be, you know, totally okay with it and tell everybody and all that kind of thing. Like you don't have to, um, it can take a year. It can take six months. It can take three years, however long it takes you. Um, but I do think the biggest thing in terms of long-term success is being able to really connect to your values and allowing yourself to ask for what you need. I think that's the biggest thing. I agree. Mm. And that's why I really wanted you on this podcast so much because I've been watching your Instagram story and listening to the way you speak. And it's just, it's so positive. Like I love your mindset about the herpes virus because it's exactly what my mindset is like. And I just want more people to be able to be just to be open about it because it actually feels so freeing because you don't Mm. get that negative response like you think in your head, like you think that people are going to be like so negative towards you and you're going to have experiences of rejection. But to be honest, in everyday dating life, you're going to get rejection and people just think they're rejected because of the herpes virus when it's probably just a rejection because they're like, eh, I didn't really like it that much anyway. Yeah, exactly. You you tie it to the fact that that you're confused. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I just want people so much just to open up and take what they can from this podcast because you've gone through it. And in a whole year, the shit you have been through, Mason. Yeah, Jesus. Oh <laughs> That's <laughs> enough for like anyone. Di- like, <laughs> to go from a diagnosis to then bloody nearly dying and then or something else. Trying to rebuild like, not your even life. What, it, what it was, like something completely different. <laughs> and then having to come no, back from that. That's the wild. most insane glandular fever mm. have you ever seen glandular fever like that zana no to be honest i have not Whew. no bad man so how is how is your health now since um all the glandular fever because obviously when your immune system's down that's when herpes will come out and try and be like hey surprise motherfucker hey i'm a herpy i'm here <laughs> <laughs> i'm here um, so obviously yeah when you're sick and run down or stressed that's when it likes to creep up um, with, mm. you know, you recovering from all your glandular fever, like four outbreaks is really not that bad at all for one to having it for a whole year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and those, those four outbreaks were, I think in the first six months. So it's been, yeah, almost, almost five months now that I haven't had one. Um, and yeah, at, at this wow. point, like I really feel like the healthiest and in the best shape that I've ever been. Um, yeah, it's just. I think I've, yeah, this year I've really rebuilt um, my relationship with, with exercise and with health and with fitness and that kind of thing. Um, I used to be um, like a national level uh, sprinter and long jumper for years. And then I was um, like quite a good footy player and all this kind of stuff. And this was up until I was 21. Um, And then, yeah, like I just realized that I had this whole relationship with health and fitness and all this kind of stuff. too much of my identity was wrapped up in it. I would go through bouts of depression when I would get injured or when I wasn't able to do a competition or, or whatever. So I took like a good year off and actually getting glandular fever was at the very end of that year where I didn't touch a weight. I didn't go for a run. I didn't do anything. Um, so yeah, it's been another journey of sort of rebuilding my relationship with health and fitness and sort of doing things because I enjoy them and not doing things for, um, like the identity wrapped up into it and the validation from other people. So yeah, like I said, it's a, it's a huge kind of spider web of things that has caused me to test positive for herpes and herpes was yet yeah, that magnifying glass to allow me to look at all these little intricate pieces and see the bigger, the bigger picture and see the bigger web. Um, yeah. So at this point I'm definitely the healthiest and yeah, fittest that I've ever been. Um, I'm training twice a day at the moment, doing both Olympic weightlifting and CrossFit. Um, I'll usually do one session of CrossFit and one session of Olympic weightlifting um, in a day, six days a week. Um, I'm constantly going for hikes and runs and yeah, all that kind of stuff. Um, And yeah, I'm sort of at this point now where my health isn't really a thing that I feel like I have to do. It's just a thing Mm -hmm. that I like to do. 
It's just a part of my life. Um, my life is an active lifestyle. I know that if I'm not active, that it gives herpes more of a chance to come back into my life. Um, it gives all these other illnesses more of a chance to come back as well. Um, and I know I'm just emotionally and spiritually just not as happy when I'm not moving and when I'm not healthy and active. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. And what do, what do you do? Like, do you take antivirals regularly or do you take them if you have an outbreak or like, do you kind of just basically keep your herpes, I guess, at bay by health, fitness, exercise, those kinds of things? Yeah. I've never, um, I've never touched an antiviral for it. Um, okay. Yeah. I, I, I think the, the biggest, the biggest factor for me is getting to a point where I'm okay if I have an outbreak or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I know that it's not going to affect my day-to-day life. It just means that I won't be able to have sex for a week and that is what it is, whatever. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, the biggest thing for me is getting to a point where I'm 100% okay with the fact that I A, test positive for herpes and B, have flare-ups every now and then. It really doesn't bother me. Um, and funny enough, the more okay that I've gotten with having flare-ups, the less they've happened. Wow. So if you, if you like someone came to you and they'd just recently been diagnosed or they'd never told anyone and you were the first one, what is your advice that you give them when they come to you? The first advice that I, that I give them is to just be okay with whatever is sort of coming up for them. Um, the last thing that people should be doing when they're like first diagnosed or when they're having sort of like, um, like a, a crisis around it is further degrading and beating themselves up for how they feel. Um, you can't change how you feel and feeling guilt and shame and all these kind of things is a good thing. Like it means that you're human. It means that you can actually feel emotions. Um, and there's this quote by Alan Watts that I always revert back to, um, in my day-to-day life when I'm talking to other people and it's, um, whether a sailor decides to go with the wind or he decides to attack, he always uses the wind. And that basically relates to emotions, whether you decide to go with what your emotions tell you or whether you decide to go against what your emotions tell you, you always use your emotions. They're just energy. Mm. Um, And you being the sailor, you get to decide what you do in the face of emotion. But the emotion is always the energy. It's always the thing that's going to allow you to move forward and allow you to get past this. So when somebody is in that state of, shame and guilt about having herpes the last thing that they need to do the last thing they should do is further beat themselves up for feeling guilty and shameful um because it just creates this horrible negative feedback loop makes everything more worse than it actually is um so yeah that's always the first thing and then the second thing that i encourage them to look at is start asking those why questions and then be open to whatever comes up for them, um, whether that whether that be journaling or, you know, breathing, meditating and asking those questions, going for a hike and just const- like constantly in your head asking you, like, why did this happen? Why did this happen? Um, and just practicing being OK with what comes up for you, because like I'm a huge believer that we all have we all have our answers. Um, we all know what's going on within ourselves, like our body has this incredible intelligence about it um this incredible wisdom and in my experience with working with coaches and working like on workshops and seminars and stuff like that i've really changed my idea on how they work and sort of how they get people to where they need to be and i used to have this sort of like idolization of coaches and people who work with people around their emotions and psychologists and all this kind of thing. And I used to think that oh, they know everything. Like they have all the answers that I need, all this kind of stuff. Mm. But now what I know to be true is these coaches and these psychologists and all this kind of thing, they are just incredibly good at asking the right questions and making yourself ask the right questions. So that's what I start to get people to do for themselves is ask themselves these questions because all of the answers are already within you. I found out all of this stuff about myself without a coach, simply just by asking myself these questions and then being okay with what comes up. And that's the biggest thing, being okay with it, because most of the time what comes up is dark, dirty, and not a fun thing to look at. Mm. Like the last thing that I wanted to realize about myself was the fact that 
I was so dependent on female validation that I allowed myself to go against my values time and time and time again and put myself second to a woman. That's the last thing that I wanted to hear as a man. But it is those dark things that allow you to get to where you want to go. Um, yeah, that's the second thing. And the third thing is I I never really I never really tell anyone to. I don't encourage anyone to, but I kind of like make the play on like, well, what if tomorrow you were to tell somebody that you had herpes and just allow them to sort of feel what would come up for them? Um, because I think allowing yourself to feel those emotions without any attachment to the outcome in practice really, really helps the first time that you disclose to somebody. Um, and that's usually the biggest thing I'm sure you can, mm. I'm sure you can relate Jessica, like the biggest worry once you get herpes is not the fact that you have it. It's the fact that you have to tell somebody that you have it. Um, yeah. that definitely was for me. Yeah. It's the only thing that takes over my mind is the fact that I have to tell someone the symptoms I do not care about. The outbreaks does not bother me at all. It doesn't affect my life at all. It's telling somebody and the weight, once you've told somebody the weight that comes off emotionally, like you just get so like, if I'm dating somebody and I really like them and I'm really attracted to them and I'm freaking out mentally in my head, as soon as I have told them and had that discussion with them, I am so relaxed. I'm just like, Oh Jesus. Like I feel so much better now where I'm usually so like, my whole body like cramps up. Like I'm literally like a stiff, like, I don't mm. know, like a stiff wall. I just can't move. I'm just like, Oh my God. And I like, I freak out every opportunity. And then as soon as I would say it, I'm just like, Oh, and I'm back to being myself. So I got to the mm. point where I was like, man, I'm so sick of acting like that for so long. So now I would just like drop it mm. real quick so I can just relax. <laughs> but it, it makes a free yeah. feeling when you do have the combo. It makes me so sad though. Like obviously not having herpes myself, I can't relate to that specifically, but everyone has their things that they hold shame on. And it makes me so sad that people feel like they have this shame around something that they're just putting on themselves. No one else is putting that shame on them except you. And once you tell someone, they don't re ever usually react in a, in a negative way. You've just put that negative power on yourself. And it makes me really sad that people will still hold that and think that people are going to judge them for things that they're really not going to. And it's just like so powerful that you guys are talking about it openly and showing people that it is okay because the more we talk about this, this, the more the shame goes away and the more the stigma goes away. And it's just like about anything in general, not necessarily herpes, anything that anyone holds, like we need to get rid of stigma and just be able to talk about it openly. 100%. Absolutely. I feel and like people, when I do talk about it with, with guys, they actually say to me, they go, I respect you and like you so much more because you've mm -hmm. just told me something. So vulnerable and you've you know you've done it to protect me and give me that choice and guys are usually so incredibly thankful mm. that I've actually told them whether it's a one night stand whether I'm dating whether it's a potential relationship like I've had nothing but guys just be respectful and just be like wow thank you for allowing me to make this decision like I and they actually like me more as, as strange as it is that they, they, they're, they're more attracted to me because of the fact that I had been vulnerable and open with them. And I don't think yeah. a lot of people realize that when they've got a herpes diagnosis and you actually build a connection a lot deeper with somebody. And if you're going to try and date somebody or develop a relationship with them, don't, you, you kind of want that to happen because then you know, it's going to be a good relationship. If you can be vulnerable mm. with somebody and have those conversations and you know that there's potential for a good relationship if you can't have that conversation there's no hope for a future no between you and that person no. so if you do it nice and early and have that conversation that's where when you're talking about like filtering out you know I, I always say like filtering out the bad guys like if I can't have that conversation with the guy then I just know straight away no, I'm just obviously attracted to him by his looks, but emotionally there's nothing there because if I don't even feel comfortable having this conversation with him, it's showing me that there's actually yeah. no potential. Yeah, exactly. And I'm a huge believer in how you do anything is how you do everything. And, you know, there's that old, that old thing that um, mostly women say all the time. It's like, you can tell everything by a per like by a relationship or by a guy, by the first kiss. And for me, <laughs> for me, that sort of like disclosure of herpes with somebody is like that first, like quote unquote, first kiss where like you can tell so much about a person and so much about a potential relationship with a person after 
you disclose to them, like whether or not they just immediately get triggered and they get worried and they get basically worried about themselves. They start thinking about themselves first and they don't ask you about how you got it or, you know, what, what it is exactly. They just immediately get self self enveloped or like the complete opposite. Like I, I had one instance where it was just such a relief. I basically, yeah, flat out said to her like, yeah, look, I test positive for herpes. Um, do you have any questions? Like, what do you want to know? And it was just immediately like, oh my God, I'm so sorry to hear that. Like, how did you get it? Like, I don't really know what it is, but I would love to tell, like, for you to tell me more. Like, I'm interested in hearing about how you got it. And it's just a huge relief. And it does fill you with confidence when you're like, okay, cool. Like this person is actually like a bit selfless. Like they actually care about my side of things and care about what I have to say and all this kind of thing. So it can, if you don't allow yourself to get attached to the outcome of it, it is a really, really good tool that you can use to be able to tell everything that you need to know about somebody. That's so true. I <laughs> so agree. So agree. God, Mason, you have given us so many gold nuggets. I tell you, <laughs> gold, gold nuggets, nuggets to me are just like awesome little life things, like little gold nuggets, you know? Yeah. I love, love that. <laughs> I, I, I really like, um, like in, in recent, like in the last couple of months, been really playing with like the whole like dichotomy of like masculine and feminine, how they work together. Um, and I've been relating it to like disclosing to a partner and like a, like a, a male and a female masculine and feminine sort of, and how that plays in with like disclosing with herpes and that kind of thing. And like, what's the best way to do it for each person. And I've really found that like, if you break it down into a nutshell, the feminine obviously likes the masculine to be strong and decisive Mm. and know what they want and that kind of thing, because that sort of strength and that groundedness allows the feminine to be vulnerable. So I have found that the best way for the masculine to disclose to the feminine is to basically, like I said, have your values in place, have your expectations in place before you go into this disclosure. Because if you go into this disclosure and you're just like all airy fairy and you're like, oh, you know, like it's okay if you don't want to sleep with me and it's okay if you don't want to do this and blah, 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 whatever you want, that just doesn't work. If you go into this, like I found myself as like, if I go into this with disclosing to a woman, I know beforehand, I'm like, if I want to sleep with them, like, okay, cool. I like, I do want to sleep with you. Um, You know, this is what I have. Do you have any questions about it? I'm open to hearing anything, but like, that is my intention or like, you know, whatever the intention may be, like I have that in set, in place. And then I found in the opposite with the, like with the feminine, what's worked most for a lot of women as well is being able to give guys that choice and being vulnerable because a guy really feels in his power when he's able to see a woman be vulnerable and then also be that guy to make the decision of yes or no. Um, like if, if you went to, like, if I had a woman come to me and disclose to it, I would prefer her to go, you know, yes, I have this, um, like I test positive for herpes. Um, is there anything you want to know about this? Um, it's your choice, what we do from here, how we do it, that kind of thing. Not in those exact words, but in that kind of way, it would feel really good as a man to be able to a hold her in that vulnerability and then b make that decision moving forward. Um, so I have been very interested in like sort of playing around with that sort of masculine feminine and those little different word cues and that kind of thing to be able to make that disclosure easier for people because that obviously is the hardest part and the most daunting part, especially at the start. This has been bloody epic. I love this. I love hearing a male's perspective as well because there's only been yeah. a few males that I've met um, over the years that I've had my diagnosis, I probably only, probably only met maybe like six, six or seven guys and had conversations with, but a lot of them are dealing with that shame, you know, that, mm. that inner shame. And a lot of them don't want to openly talk about it. Um, so I mainly just like, have, I don't know about you, but like, there are obviously dating platforms for people with herpes. If like the listeners don't know about them, um, one is called positive singles. Another one's called plus side. Um, and, I found that one good just to talk to the opposite sex about what's going on. I didn't necessarily go on it today. I just went on it to like to talk to them about it. And I found that all the guys that I've spoken to more so have so much shame compared to the women. Mm. Mm. And you're the first male that I've actually met that's been so open and just like just owning it and just like self-acceptance. And 
I really hope that we get some male listeners onto this episode so they can listen to you talking and actually get that confidence because it would crush me. You know, I'd be at lunch with these guys having a chat and I'm so open, honest and out there about it. And they're just like so much shame. So, so much shame. I think it's also (laughs) just because like women are always meant to be in the like we're portrayed to be the vulnerable ones. We go through so many things in our lives. We have so many different traumas, like childbirth, like all these things that like we also already talk openly about, like these vulnerable things. But guys just aren't supposed to be vulnerable. They're not supposed to have these things that are necessarily quote unquote wrong or different about them. It's supposed to just be I'm a strong man and this is what I am and I'm perfect, not necessarily perfect, but like I have nothing wrong and that I'm going to be fine, whatever, but women are the ones who are more vulnerable. So I think it's really hard for guys to be vulnerable because they're not used to it and that's not like society allows them to be. So it's really like amazing yeah. that you are doing that. Yeah. I, I've definitely felt like I was like being, like being a man sort of like in this, in this time, there's a really weird kind of thing going on where like sort of everything, like every which way, of a man to be is sort of vilified or like talked down upon by someone or some group, like whether Mm. or not you are a man who wants to be stoic and not allow your emotions to affect you. That's seen as bad. If you want to be a man who is super vulnerable and emotional and that kind of thing, that's bad too. Um, And like, I found in myself personally, like not to use sexist language, but it's probably the most potent way that I can say it is like being in touch with your emotions doesn't mean you have to act like a bitch. And Mm. it doesn't, it also doesn't mean you have to be cold and calloused. Like you are like, as, as men, we have this stoic ability to be able to, you know, persevere through emotions and that kind of thing. It doesn't mean that we don't have to feel them. It doesn't mean that we don't have to be human, but it just means that, you know, allowing your emotions to affect you isn't a bad thing. Allowing your emotions to affect you completely is allowing your emotions to affect you incompletely is also a bad thing as well. And it's just about finding that balance. Um, And I think as men too, it's very difficult for us to sort of find that balance on their own because we're very much an A, B kind of like kind of gender. It's either like this, don't do this, go do it this way. Don't do it this way. Um, so a lot of men, I think are sort of stuck in this place of like, well, what the hell do I do? Like, you know, Definitely. women are telling me that I'm, you know, too cold and I'm an asshole if I do it this way. And if I do it this way, women are attracted to me because they see me as like the best friend and I get friends on like, what's going on? Um, so yeah, I think like any guys listening, like with herpes, it's a really, really good tool for you to be able to practice and go like, yeah, look, you know, I have this thing that I'm self-conscious about and it's also a thing that I'm not going to let it define me. I'm not going to let it affect me. And I'm going to, you know, sing it from the, sing it from the rooftops, sing it from the mountaintops. I have this, this is obviously not a thing that is desirable to everybody, but I also don't give a shit. Like I am here. I'm still the same person. I am still the same mm-hmm. person I ever was. I just had this other thing about me. And if you can do that with herpes, you can do it with everything. Yeah. Oh, this has been so yeah, yeah, such a good episode. Like we appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. But before we let you go, we have to get your spill the tea. So Mm -hmm. yeah, give it to us. What is the spill the tea this week? Um, it is. Well, (laughs) last week I was at the gym and I was doing a very heavy squat session. And at this particular gym that I train at, when everybody, whenever anyone is doing like, like a one rep max or like they're doing a near max or something like that everyone else in the gym stops and we like watch the other person and we cheer them on and that kind of thing. So I was doing a three rep max back squat and I had the bar on my back and I started to go down and then felt this pop and sank straight to the floor. And I was like, what the fuck was that? Oh, I felt no. that I ended up and I came up and I had completely tore my, sh- my shorts from like the whole, the whole <laughs> completely. Um, and of course was, everybody was watching and um yeah i didn't have a spare pair of shorts and i was only halfway through the session so i had to keep going with a massive tear through my shorts did you have undies on luckily i did yeah (laughs) yeah i think your your gym session would have been over if you weren't wearing underwear i don't think (laughs) yeah yep oh that's a good one that's That's like everyone's beer eh? doing a squat (laughs) i know i was worried that you were going to pull a hamstring but no just pulled just pulled the shorts open (laughs) 
I was hoping it was the shorts because I was like, oh, please don't injure yourself, mate. Your body's been through hell. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Oh, God. Thank you so much, legend. Like, this has been so amazing. I'm on such a high right now. I'm on a herpy high, if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, we appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. It's been awesome. What are we sending? We're sending sending? love, life, and laughter always. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye, guys. Bye.